Hey, good morning, Vintage family. I don't know if you're like me and the rest of the team, but we are so excited about all the changes happening at Vintage City Church. The new building looks awesome already. I know it's gutted, but it's full of so much promise. Um, I don't know if you feel like me, but in these seasons of transition, they're beautiful, they're amazing, but as the old adage says, the devil lives in the transitions. So transitions can be a difficult time. They're a hard time. They're a time where, for many of us, we can feel great levels of suffering and struggle. The year 2020 has been quite a doozy. For many of us, we've suffered. We've maybe fallen ill. For some of us, we've felt our loneliness compounds throughout the quarantine. For others, we've lost our job. This hasn't been a good year in many respects. Not all of us have struggled in that way, though. I know if you're like me, you may have felt frustration. Just an increased level of anxiety. Perhaps the loneliness is getting to you. Perhaps the things God has called you into just don't seem to be successful right now. And I want to encourage you, we are not the first persons in history to experience this. And we're not the first people to walk through this in our own faith journey. You see, whenever I encounter such seasons, whenever I feel these moments of difficulty, my temptation is to look outwards, to see what the people around me are doing, to see how I can change my circumstances. Sometimes I sentimentalize the past, and other times I find myself praying for God's move that he would come and change everything around me. You see, none of these feelings are bad in and of themselves. And in fact, they possess a precedent in the scriptures, one I want us to turn to today. We're going to be in Psalm 73. This is a psalm of Asaph, and it reads, verses 2 through 4, As for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. For I was envious of the arrogant. I saw the prosperity of the wicked, for they had no pain. Their bodies are sound and strong. They're not in trouble as others are, and they're not plagued like other people. I want to ask a few questions this morning. Who is Asaph talking about when he speaks about the arrogant? What does he mean when he uses the word wicked? Why do we become envious of these people in our own times of trouble? You see, Asaph was a very different person than David. When David speaks about the wicked people who surround him, we can imagine he's talking about King Saul. He's talking about people who are trying to violently persecute him, and in some cases, even take his own life. But Asaph was a very different man. The scriptures will say that Asaph was a priest in the temple. Most Old Testament and Hebrew scholars will actually say when Asaph talks about the wicked, he's talking about his co-workers. These aren't the evil of the evil as we would imagine them, you know, the villains of movies we watch. Instead, there are peers. There are people we work with, they're our friends and family members. They're anyone we see who is living outside the purposes of God, but is living a seemingly successful life. Now, I'm not a Hebrew scholar, so I might get the pronunciation wrong. But in the Hebrew, the word arrogant is bahavalim. It means the boastful and the praiseworthy. You see, Asaph is talking about successful people. Now, why are we envious of these people? You see, the Hebrew word for prosperity is one we might recognize. It's the word shalom. It means to be at peace or complete. These are the people who surround us who seem to have perfect lives. It seems like nothing's going wrong. 
Perhaps if we're feeling loneliness ourselves, maybe we're looking for a spouse or a relationship and we look outwards and we see people who seem so happy living in marriages or relationships and we find ourselves burning with jealousy for those things. You see, when the Hebrew uses this word saw, it actually means to look outward at a distance, to judge something by its appearance. So you see, Asaph isn't talking about the wicked of the wicked. He's talking about the regular folks of our lives who are succeeding outside the will of God. You see, in our own lives, it's so easy to follow the example of the praiseworthy. We see their success. We see their, seeming, their life which is seemingly free of difficulty and hardship, and we want those things. We're perceiving those appearances, and we want to emulate them. So where do we turn in those moments? How do we follow God when we feel this envy being birthed within us? You see, Asaph will use the words, I was looking outwards and my feet nearly slipped. There was one time a few years ago when I was living in a second-story apartment, and I was moving, I was trying to rearrange a couple rooms within my own apartment, and I decided it would be a brilliant idea to pick up a 40-pound box and also let my dog out at the same time. And you see, it was the dead middle of winter, so the stairs were icy. It was crazy conditions, and I was trying to hold this box, let the dog out, and walk down these icy stairs all at the same time. And because this box was right up in my face, I couldn't see my feet. I couldn't see my foundation, so I flew down two flights of metal stairs and almost jacked myself up really bad. You see, Asaph is talking about the same thing here. He's saying when our attention is directed outwards, we can't see our foundation. Our feet are going to slip because we're not resting in the places that God has called us to. So what's the answer? What's the solution? Where do we turn in these times of transition or trouble? You see, James prescribes an answer in verses 19 and 20 of chapter 1 of his epistle. He says, you must understand this, my beloved. Let everyone be quick to listen slow to speak, and slow to anger, for your anger can never produce God's righteousness. You see, the Greek word for anger here is this word orge. It can mean anger, but it actually means impulse, chaos, a frantic excitement of the mind. It's talking about those moments where our desire, our burning envy in our life is to dramatically control the ways it feels like our lives are spiraling out. You see, the editors of many of our translations will properly title this passage, Hearing and Doing the Word. James isn't just contextually talking about being a good listener. He's talking about learning to listen to the voice of the Lord when we encounter these seasons of transition and trouble. He's saying if we are not quick to listen, we will become subject to the orge, that frantic chaos of our life, and suddenly our attention will be directed outwards. Asaph echoes a similar sentiment in the later half of Psalm 73. He says, If I had said, I will speak like them, the wicked, I would have betrayed the generation of your children. But when I thought, how do I understand this life? It seemed a wearisome task until I went into the sanctuary of God, and then I discerned the end. You see, the sanctuary of God's presence is the only location in our lives where we can properly discern His purposes for our lives and for the way we're living. We can't live according to the false measuring stick of our circumstances. It never works. 
In his first letter to the Corinthians, Paul references a fancy Greek word that I've studied a lot throughout the years, throughout my graduate studies, throughout my further research. It's this Greek word, energia. And translated to English, it actually means energy. In many of our translations, it will read operate or activate, but I really think this is a terrible translation. You see, when Paul uses this term to talk about the work of God inside of us, this work which we have to listen to, it is actually a term which he borrows from the philosopher Aristotle. And it means the pure actuality of God dwelling inside of us. You're probably like, what on earth does that mean? And how does that change my life? You see, this term, pure actuality, means that God is without potency and without change. It means he's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He's not subject to our frantic circumstances. He doesn't change in seasons of transition. And most importantly, God is the only being which can move things in our universe without himself being moved. So what does that mean? It means God is the only place we can turn when we feel subject to bad circumstances. He is the only place which will never be moved. So what is Paul saying when he references this word? He's saying that power, that glory, that unchanging nature is already living inside of you through the power of the Holy Spirit. You don't need to go looking for it. You don't need to ask, how do I, act, how do I ask for God to move this thing into my life and bring this thing into my life? Instead, it only takes listening. So how do we do that? How do we practically listen to the pure power and glory in our own lives? You see, James says to be quick to listen. Pastor Greg has described his own model of prayer, which is a conversational form of prayer with God where he'll write his name and then he'll have God's name. And it's just this written transcript of his own prayer times with the Lord. For me, it's been a little different. For me, I practice this ancient form of prayer called the Jesus Prayer. And it's the words of Zacchaeus when he sees Jesus coming down the road to the tree he's standing in. It's, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. And as you say this prayer, you breathe in as you say the words, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, and you breathe out on me. So what does that mean? I like to imagine it as me breathing out my own desires, my own franticness, my own tension and drive to control. And instead, I start inhaling, I start in-breathing the perspective of the Lord for my life. So where do we turn in these frustrating seasons of transition? We've got to remember the words of James when he says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. And know that our anger, this frustrating orge, this frantic desire to control in our lives, can never produce God's righteousness. Instead, we have to be a people who learn to turn inwards and focus on the pure power and glory of the Holy Spirit, which is already living inside of us. 